Hi again, everybody, and welcome to episode three of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. I am your host, Dan Scott. Thank you for joining us wherever podcasts are available. I am the only one of the grumpy guys who will be on this episode again this week. We're taking social distancing to the extreme. We had planned to have Cobb Oxford joining us via telephone, but that uh, was not able to happen. Hopefully we'll have the entire band together next week. And I can tell you that plans next week, and underline the word plans, because in these uncertain times, I don't know that you can set anything in stone. But plans next week are to debut a new member of our group that we'll just say would not fit the stereotypical mode of a grumpy old broadcaster. And I'll just leave it at that. Uh, hopefully, we'll have that debut coming up next time on episode four. But right now, we're going to deal with episode three of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. Again, thank you for uh, finding us. Thank you for listening, sharing, subscribing. Uh, we'd love to hear your comments, love to hear your feedback. So please, by all means, um, Help us get this thing rolling. Help us get uh, a, a wider audience. And look, you're supposed to be in your house. You're supposed to be uh, kind of hunkering down for a couple of weeks. And in doing so, you're probably going to be listening to a lot of podcasts. Make sure this one is in your rotation and share it with your friends and help us grow the brand. Help us grow this brand new podcast, Grumpy Old Broadcasters. We are made possible chiefly by our friends at Todaro Pizza. They are located uh, in two places here in the upstate of South Carolina where Grumpy Old Broadcasters is based. 116 North Markley Street in Greenville and on Sloan Street right in the heart of downtown Clemson. Uh, takeout orders and delivery like just about every other restaurant around is what they're focusing on now. But it's nothing new for them. That's what they do anyway. The pizza's fantastic. The people are even better. And uh, we invite you to see what they have to offer. If you're in the upstate, likely you know. If you're not from the upstate and you're coming into the area, put that on your food bucket list. I promise you. You may not normally think about pizza as some place that you have to have if you're going into a new area or some food that you have to have. Todaro Pizza is a little different. I promise you that. Todaropizza.com, that's T-O-D-A-R-O, pizza.com, is the website. Well, here on Episode 3 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters, coming up in just a bit, we're going to be joined by Dave Glenn of the David Glenn Show, which is syndicated throughout the state of North Carolina. Uh, also, uh, for over 30 years, has covered the Atlantic Coast Conference, now chiefly at accsports.com. And uh, also, um, he writes for the athletic subsite, the Athletic Carolinas. Uh, Dave is also a lawyer, and his mother once told him that he's a broadcaster, he's a lawyer. If he was a politician, he'd be the three most hated people in America. So that's who we have coming up. Uh, Dave and I go way back. We have done radio interviews together going as far back as 2003 or 2004, and um, it's a, he's a guy who, as mentioned, has covered the Atlantic Coast Conference for over 30 years. But our talks often 
uh, venture beyond the confines of the ACC footprint, and I think we'll probably get into a little bit of that today. Uh, of course, the, the overwhelming news story is a lack of sports news stories because of the coronavirus. Everything has been shut down, either postponed or completely canceled. All of college sports has been completely canceled through the end of this academic year, which means we will not have another college athletic event until we get to the fall if everything works out okay. And I saw something uh, today. My, my friend Dwight Covington sent me uh, a, a, a little photo uh, or a little meme that uh, kind of summed up, I think, the feelings of people here in the South because we've all been asked to uh, kind of, without the direct order yet in most places, to shelter in place, not go outside uh, unless you absolutely have to. And, and as they are saying, uh, I think the term is flatten the curve of this coronavirus spread, staying in, staying contained as much as possible, keeping social contact down, limited as much as possible to try to contain the spread of this virus. And, and people, you know, are, are, I think for the most part, are, are doing what they can. Uh, there are some people, obviously, who are, like in any situation, ignoring all the advice, complaining about it, and and doing what society does these days. But I found it very interesting, the, the little thing that Dwight sent me simply stated this, that if staying indoors for seven days would save the 2020 college football season, the entire South would be bunkered down. And, and <laughs> Dwight even told me, he and I chatted earlier uh, today, he said that... Uh, he said that there would probably be, you know, squads of people going out and hunting down those who weren't hunkered down and forcing them into their homes if it would save the 2020 college football season. That's kind of the feeling here in the South. For me, I love my college football, but I, I'm, I'm really sad at what has happened across the entire sports realm. It, it, it was inevitable probably necessary, but that doesn't make it any easier to take. And it's one thing to be a fan and have your your sports world put on hold uh, almost without notice like we've seen here. But it's also something else when you work at a university and you have day-to-day -day dealings with not just the coaches, but more specifically the athletes who have – had their their seasons and in some perhaps their careers come to an end prematurely. For those of you who don't know, I'm the director of broadcasting uh, and play-by-play -play voice at Furman University here in the upstate of South Carolina in, in Greenville. I do uh, football, men's basketball, and baseball. And we were just 17 games into the college baseball season 38 regular season games to go, 39 regular season games to go before the conference tournaments and then the NCAA regionals and the NCAA tournament, College World Series, all of that good stuff. 17 games in, and boom, it's taken away. And for some of these players, this very well could be the last time that they play organized athletics. Now, the... NCAA, the conferences are talking about restoring a year of eligibility 
for the spring sports that had just gotten underway, athletes in those sports. But right now, nobody knows what that's going to look like. Nobody knows who's going to pay for those scholarships. Nobody knows who's going to um, or what roster limits are, are going to look like in, in, in whatever form this takes. It, it's all so much up in the air right now. I applaud the NCAA for doing the right thing and being willing to grant that year back to the spring sports athletes. But it, it's going to have a, a, an interesting impact on recruiting, on paying for scholarships. I mean, there's a whole lot that has to be figured out here. But from my standpoint, interacting with these players, interacting with the parents, interacting with the coaches, it's just heartbreaking to see up close and personal what's gone on here and, and how it has affected these people, how it's affected these young men and, and, and young women in, in the sports that are going on in the spring. I mean, the high-profile sports are the ones that are getting the most attention. But, you know, you're talking golf, you're talking tennis, you're talking lacrosse, you're talking baseball. These are sports that just got cranked up. Uh, uh, women's softball just got started here in, in 2020. All of the, or most of the attention has been on the uh, NCAA tournament being canceled and, and what we're missing there. In fact, as I record this today, here on uh, the 19th day of March, this was supposed to be the first full day of NCAA tournament play. This this was the day that people look forward to. This this opening weekend, you know, the the first four games would have been Tuesday and Wednesday, and now today would have been the first full day of play with the field at 64. And, and today and tomorrow are kind of the two biggest celebration days of the NCAA tournament. Those first two days, we don't have them. And I understand people who feel robbed, sports fans who who feel like they, they've had a, a tradition taken away from them because of this virus. But there's the other side of it, the other sports that were just getting started. And, you know, the NCAA making the call over a week ago to go ahead and cancel championships that won't take place until late May or early June raised some eyebrows. But other conferences, other sports have fallen in, in line and – it's just heartbreaking when you have a job like I do where you in day to you are in day-to-day -day contact with these athletes and their parents and the coaches and see the effect that it's had on them and the the level of unknown that is a burden that they are all carrying right now it, it it's just it's hard to watch and not feel overcome with, with sadness for those athletes. I mean, I'm, I'm 53 years old. I've lived through a few crises in my life. Uh, perhaps nothing like this, but we, we have seen, those of us of a certain age, we've seen a number of, of crises come and go. And so we're a little bit prepared for these things. I don't think any of us were prepared for what we've seen on this scale. But the bottom line is that for those of us who have have lived a little, so to speak. Uh, it, it, it may be 
doesn't hit us quite as hard, or at least we have a little bit of perspective, even though this particular situation with the coronavirus is far beyond, I think, anything any of us have ever seen. But for these athletes, these, I call them kids, they're 18 to 22-year-old young men and women. But for these athletes, you know, for a lot of them, you know, adversity on the field at the collegiate level really is the only adversity they've ever faced. And now they have this taken away from them because of, of this virus. And, and it's, it's just, it's hard for me to sit back and watch and not be emotional about it because I see the work that these young men and women put in. I see the, the hours that they put in. I talk with them on a daily basis. I talk with the coaches on a daily basis and, there's just there's there's nothing right now you can say that can provide any kind of comfort because we are against just in the early stages of this thing and there's so much yet that's not known. Uh, one more time, I applaud the NCAA for being willing to give spring sports athletes an extra year. I I, I applaud that and, and it should be done, but nobody knows what that's going to look like uh, financially roster size, how it's going to affect recruiting of, of current classes. Uh, there's just a lot of unknown out there right now. And, and I think the, 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 biggest, uh, the, the biggest single thing that is, that is bothering people right now is that, that unknown. You know, normally, if, if you know who or what the enemy is or you know what you're facing, you can formulate a game plan to attack it. And right now I'm not sure that anybody from a college athletic standpoint can put together a solid game plan to attack this because they don't know what the rules are going to be at the end of the game. So that's just from an insider standpoint, from someone who works in college athletics, uh, I I just thought I would share that because it's difficult, man. It, It is very, very difficult to watch uh, what will be, I'm sure, the end of some athletic careers because of what this virus has taken away from us here in, in the early portion of the spring season in 2020. It, it's not been fun. But what do you do? You, you, you uh, display a stiff upper lip. You pull up your bootstraps, as, as I can start rattling off the cliches, and you find a way to move forward, and I fully expect that's what college athletics is going to do eventually. Anyways, we uh, turn our attention to other matters, probably along the same subject line, but to bring in a fresh voice. Uh, as I mentioned in the open, uh, Dave Glenn and I have been doing radio segments together going as far back as about 2003 or 2004. He hosts the David Glenn Show, which is syndicated throughout the state of North Carolina, uh, writes for accsports.com, has covered the Atlantic Coast Conference for over 30 years, and also writes for the athletic subsite, The Athletic Carolinas, making his grumpy old broadcaster's podcast debut. DG, how you doing? I am doing great, Dan. I am excited to be a part of this fantastic new venture. And you probably fit the part, too, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm pretty sure demographically and in many other ways I fit in quite nicely. <laughs> so uh, how have you been keeping yourself busy uh, here of late? Um, you know, walking the dog, uh, waiting on the wife. I mean, there's not been any sports to cover. 
Yeah, for a little while, it was actually pretty cool, right? Like, you know, uh, go to the gym a little bit more often, uh, take walks more often, maybe pick up more dinner invitations than you were able to in your normal workday. But then restaurants started closing and the gym closed. A lot of those things were shut down as well. So, you know, I do have a high school senior daughter. Uh, We continue her college search. I have a wife who runs her own business. So, uh, yeah, now three people around the house a lot more often with a dog than they used to be. So uh, we're doing some Netflix documentaries. We're catching up on some movies we haven't seen in a while. Uh, I'm doing some networking career-wise in various ways. So uh, we're filling it with a whole lot of different things, at least for now. You, you know, I, I mentioned a moment ago that for some of us of a, of a certain age, the, the grumpy old uh, uh, broadcaster demographic, as you referenced a moment ago, We've seen some things. Um, we, yeah. we, we, we've had our lives disrupted by 9-11. We've had our lives, uh, sports and otherwise, disrupted by, um, I go back to the 89 World Series being interrupted by the earthquake in San Francisco. I mean, we, we've seen some things, but I think to a man or a woman, we've never seen anything like what's happened because of this coronavirus. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary, Dan. And just as somebody who's covered the ACC tournament as one example for more than 30 years in my case, I could tell you about the crazy blizzard in Charlotte in the early 1990s when I was a young guy covering it. And at one point, the power actually went off in the Coliseum, causing a disruption of the ACC tournament. Whether it's that example, which did feel awfully strange at the time, I could promise you, or... Uh, I forget the exact year, but it was less than 20 years ago. The off-duty police officer bodyguard of the guy who owns the Baltimore Ravens of the NFL right now, Steve Bishotti, uh, actually accidentally shot himself while watching with Bishotti the ACC tournament. And you could hear courtside the gun go off. But that, and that's another example, like the blizzard, you know, of an unforgettable event and a shocking event. But with the possible exception of your 9-11 example, uh, there's I can't think of another situation in sports or maybe even in life where you're going through this weirdness and you're just not sure when it's going to end. I mean, you and I haven't been together so long. You know, there was an aspect of 9-11 that not only was it what happened that horrible day, it was an uncertainty about what's next and, and is something else horrible coming. And that's the feeling that I think we have right now. It's not only, wow, within one hour, I was told that the ACC uh, quarterfinal games were being played. We were told that like at 11, uh, 15 or 20 a.m. that Thursday Thursday morning. And then less than an hour later, uh, they pulled the plug with the Florida State and Clemson players right there on the court ready for the ball to be thrown up. Um, It was not only the moment, it's the aftermath, and now we're all guessing when are we going to see games again in any of the sports that we love. And maybe, you know, even with 9-11 and its horror story, you know, this may be the first time that we just have no real answer as to the next time we have actual games to cover. And that's a weird feeling for us in the industry. It's a weird feeling for people. You know, the other aspect of this thing is that when 9-11 happened, uh, sports was shut down for, I think, two weeks or, or a week from a college football standpoint. And, and then we were able to use athletics as a rallying point for this country. And, and, and right now, 
I, I don't think the country has that rallying point, whether it's athletics or or something else. There, there's a lot of, if I can borrow a biblical phrase, wandering in the wilderness right now. Yeah, I think you're right. And I remember, I'll never forget, uh, former President George W. Bush describing uh, that first pitch at that baseball game that was a step towards some return to normalcy. He called it the most nerve-wracking moment of his entire uh, presidency. I mean, think about that. you got to deal with war and all sorts of strife and international conflict, and yet the, the build-up to that pitch and the weight of that moment had him as anxious as at any other moment. Uh, and you're right. We don't have, at least for now, we don't have that same kind of iconic moment in the offing uh, we don't know what's coming. We don't know when it's coming. And it makes it weird for us who are in the industry. And it makes it weird for, you know, really anybody across most of the world at this point who has sports as a big part or a small part of their lives. The the Atlantic Coast Conference was uh, obviously one of many conferences that that tried, as you referenced a moment ago, to, to continue on. They were, uh, first of all, they were going to go – with with crowds then they were going to go without crowds and then finally they shut it down can can you let us in on what you know about those internal conversations and how we got from point a to point b to point c so quickly yeah i'll tell you what dan the weirdest part about it was that john swafford the acc commissioner he often has these media availability sessions at various events including the acc tournament and he was late for that session, which was no big deal. We all realized it was unusual circumstances. But then it was almost 11 a.m., and he said, hey, I just got off the phone with uh, my fellow commissioners, and we've decided to move forward playing games but under these unusual circumstances. And we were all expecting to see a few hundred fans instead of 20-plus thousand fans in Greensboro Coliseum. And sure enough, that's what we had. But as Florida State and Clemson are about to go off for the tip, then came the word that they were pulling the plug on the tournament entirely after, of course, two days worth of games already being in the books and the final eight ready to get underway. So clearly things were happening so quickly that John Swafford left a phone call somewhere near 1030 or so a.m. where the consensus was, let's just play these games, but under these weird circumstances to 90 minutes later, John Swafford was learning that some of the same people who had said, yeah, we're going to move forward with our tournaments too, had changed their minds. And now remember, the NCAA had its statements and the United States government had its statements. Things were changing apparently minute by minute in some cases. But I thought it was uh, very symbolic that within roughly 60 minutes or so, John Swafford had gone from telling us the games were going to be played on that Thursday to telling us they were not going to be played. And, and I was there mid-court as the Florida State players accepted uh, the ACC championship trophy, which, of course, usually goes to the tournament champion. But the Seminoles were the regular season champion, and that's close as we're going to get this year. So it was as bizarre a scene as I have covered, um, and it changed as quickly as anything that I have ever seen. Um, but it did reflect – you know, the ACC in the end was one of the last teams or last leagues to pull the plug on its uh, conference tournament. And there was even a weird scenario, Dan, where I was told Duke had told the ACC, we're not coming. Imagine how weird that was. Duke is Duke is making its own decision. That was the second game of the day at a time when the ACC had not yet announced it was pulling the plug. 
Duke and maybe even other schools were saying, well, y'all can go on with your tournament, but we're not going to be a part of it. Uh, if they needed one more push to change their stance, you know, that was going to be it. I think it was going to change anyway, but it certainly added a really bizarro land dynamic to that Thursday afternoon in Greensboro. And, and as we saw, then, then everything got shut down. Uh, initially maybe postponed, but then the NCAA came out and not only canceled the tournaments, they, they made the call over a week ago to cancel all of their spring sports championships as well. And in the time between now and then, I think just about every conference in the country now has gone ahead and canceled their spring seasons. Uh, this, this is going to be very interesting. The NCAA has said that they will allow spring sports athletes to – basically get an extra year of eligibility. And I, I, as I said in my open, I applaud them for that. The, the problem yeah. is, David, nobody knows what that's going to look like. Who's going to pay for it? What are the, the roster limits going to be? How's that going to affect recruiting? Again, we're talking about a huge unknown. It is. And you all can imagine, you know, if you allow seniors, for example, to stay for one more year without penalty, which I agree with you is the right thing to do. Well, every sport has a scholarship limit. What do you do with the incoming freshmen and all the other returning players? I mean, by definition, everybody would be over the scholarship limit. Um, They'll figure that out. It might just be a one-year temporary moratorium where you, you know, they change the ceiling for scholarships or, or whatever, however else they manage it. It is manageable. And because those spring sports seasons had been barely underway, this is the right thing to do. Of course, you don't have to come back if you're ready to move on with your career. Uh, That's okay. Uh, The more interesting question for a lot of people was, what were they going to do with these basketball players? Who, on the one hand, had played either 90% of their season, or in some cases, 100% of their season. Some of those leagues did finish their conference tournaments, and if you weren't a postseason team, then your season was over. But we all know that the entire sport is built around March Madness. So were they going to possibly go down that road of another year for those athletes in the winter sports? It's it's not surprising to me that they're not going to go down that road, or at least they haven't so far. Because, again, if you get 90% to 100% of your season in, even though it ended sadly uh, and in a way nobody wanted uh, – I, it doesn't surprise me that they're not going to go down that rabbit hole, which might be even more complicated than it is for the spring sports. You're listening to episode three of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. I'm Dan Scott. We are presented by Todaro Pizza here in the upstate of South Carolina. Todaropizza.com is the website, and we're visiting with Dave Glenn of the David Glenn Show and accsports.com and, and many other things that he does. By the way, Dave, I, in, in the opening before you came on, I, I, I told the story of your mother saying that, well, you're a lawyer, you're a member of the yeah. media. If you became a politician, you'd be the three most hated people in America. So uh, that's one of those things that's never going to die, by the way. Uh, I'll tell you, at speaking engagements, Dan, if I need a laugh, that is one of the most guaranteed laughs of any story that I will ever tell. So I have no problem with you uh, <laughs> using it. It's, it's usually my uncle that I put in the story because my mom doesn't look at the world quite that way. Right. But uh, the bottom line remains the same. Uh, that's good stuff. You know, one of the things that you and I are always talking about this time of year is the number of teams, the Atlantic Coast Conference or any conference for that matter, gets into the NCAA tournament, how far – teams from a conference advance into the tournament and how that parlays into money from the NCAA 
down the road, there's that magic formula that you talk about all the time. Nobody advances this year. How's that going to affect those NCAA payouts? We don't know yet. Uh, The NCAA does have some insurance for some of these things. But one way for fans to think of this is more than $1 million comes to the ACC for every bid that it gets. And remember, it has averaged about eight bids per year. And then more than $1 million comes in for almost every victory in the NCAA tournament by any of those teams. So in the end, you're getting in some years, you know, way past 20, sometimes $25 million in NCAA tournament revenue. And even though this was not a vintage year for the ACC, it was going to get at least four bids, possibly a fifth. And some of those teams were dangerous, you know, Florida state and Duke and Virginia and Louisville. So we'll never know how that would have played out. And we still don't know how the money is going to shake out. And not only does that make athletic directors nervous, Dan, at this time of year, we're also typically talking about the coaching carousel. Mm -hmm. Wake Forest and Boston College fit this description. They're the two schools most scrutinizing their head coaches, Danny Manning with the Deeks and Jim Christian at Boston College. They've both been there six years, and they've both had five losing seasons in six years, which typically gets you shown the door in the power conferences in the sport of basketball. But they both also fit the smaller private university description where your athletic department revenue is simply smaller and it's harder to buy out coaches. You just don't have as much cash as some of these bigger public universities. Wake's annual budget in some years is half of Florida State's annual athletics budget. So has it complicated or postponed their decisions about Danny Manning and Jim Christian? Uh, might they, especially Wake, it's a small buyout at BC. Might these financial unknowns be complicating what everybody seems to think, especially Wake fans, is the right time to just turn the page on Danny Manning and go after whomever, you know, a John Beeline, a Steve Forbes, or somebody else? Uh, that's all sort of up in the air as we speak. And that's just one way that this financial uncertainty is playing out right now. Yeah, it, it, it's everything is just so unknown. And, and I think that's frustrating for coaches. It's frustrating for administrators. It's frustrating for athletes. It's frustrating for those of us who make our living covering yeah. college athletics because, you know, even thus in the media, we like to think we know everything. And, yeah. and, right, and right now we don't know anything. So true. Hey, I have a good friend whose secondary income is on play-by-play from ESPN3 and a variety of others. And that person went from viewing March, April, May, and June as significant secondary income at a time of life where you're much more vulnerable. The person I'm thinking of is probably 20 or so years younger than I. So, you know, I have sort of the nest that I have built in the cushion. I know that when I was 30 years old, I didn't have much of a cushion or a, or a nest or a rainy day fund. So, uh, I think for the average Joe, uh, you know, the, the person working at the restaurant in the non-sports context, but in this case, the person who relies on play-by-play income as freelance income and a significant percentage of their annual income, that just dried up completely for a matter of months, and we don't know how long. So uh, it's a strange time for schools. It's a strange time for conferences, and it's a strange uh, and scary time for many in our industry as well. 
I, I guess the one positive that we have right now with Major League Baseball uh, being on hold and, and uh, everything that goes along with that and opening day approaching and, and, and now we may have baseball in mid-May. It may be June 1. We don't know yet. The, the one thing that has been maybe the sports fan saving grace is the wild frenzy that has been the NFL free agent yeah. signing period, which just started. Uh, outside of that, there's not been any sports news at all. No, it's the strangest time because even beyond what we do for a living, uh, I think we know each other well enough to know that were we in different occupations, we would still be connected to the sports world in some way. Right. In fact, for those who follow me on Twitter at David Glenn Show, you may recall that for a decade plus, one of the things that I or sometimes a member of my staff does every morning is post a best sports on TV list every morning for probably a decade. And it's just it's a reminder whether I'm doing it or a staff member. It's, it's kind of a reminder, hey, what's the front? What's on our front burner right now? Maybe this NBA game is worth checking out. I'm a hockey guy from childhood in Philadelphia. Maybe this hockey game is worth checking out. And I'm all about college football and college basketball. So it's been fascinating to see, you know, just how your day unfolds. Because, yes, those off-the-field NFL headlines – they get a lot of attention and deservedly so every year. I mean, when Tom Brady is moving franchises, that's a big story. However, uh, you usually have the Masters next month, right. and we're not going to have that. You usually have the NHL and the NBA playoffs in April and May and June. And who knows how that's going to shake out. You know, for NASCAR and other golf events and, um, you know, the Olympics later this year uh, are were supposed to be a big thing. No, no, no verdict on that yet. But whether it's just planning your day or channel surfing at night or whether this is your full-time job, this is a really an unprecedented time in my 30-plus years covering such things. And I think a lot of fans feel that way. A lot of coaches and athletes feel that way. Pros are worried about their paychecks. You know, all these leagues, um, not all of them require their teams to pay these pro athletes at times like this. So imagine, you know, assuming you're going to be paid a certain amount, X number of weeks or months in a row, and then that check could disappear. This is a really, really weird time in more ways than one. Before we let you go, let me ask your opinion uh, on something, and this is putting on your, your lawyer hat to a certain degree. We, we know that the uh, new collective bargaining agreement in the NFL was a very contentious, um, uh, contentious vote. And they got it done, and it passed literally 51% to 49%. But, but shortly after those numbers were announced, the, the story came out that there were 500 players in that league that did not vote on that, yeah. on that uh, collective bargaining agreement. That's kind of mind-boggling, but then at the same time, you look at our society and the number of people who don't vote in general elections, I guess it shouldn't be surprising. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, Dan. I mean – this number shocks some people, but it can take, depending on the year, only 25 to 26 percent of eligible American voters to put into office a United States president or a whole variety of other uh, public officials. And, and that sounds counterintuitive, right? It doesn't sound like a, a constitutional democracy. It doesn't sound like a representative democracy. It's it sounds different than that, but yet that is the reality. You can look it up 
presidents have been elected with uh, only 25 to 26 percent of that vote because so many people stayed home and didn't vote at all. So it was particularly disappointing to see that in the NFL context, because I know many Americans can feel detached from the process. Uh, I don't believe that excuses them from voting, but there's no NFL player that can say that they're detached from this process. I mean, this is, this is intimately affecting so many things, including how many games they have to play and whether the, you know, it's worth adding that extra game in a very violent sport like football where former players have all sorts of um, extremely troublesome medical situations. So at, at the worst, whatever, whether you thought it was a good CBA or a bad one, at the worst, you just hoped that everybody would be engaged and to see that many non-voters was a disappointment. Again, kind of um, we always say sports is a microcosm of society, and I thought that was a pretty good example of it. Dave, thank you for your time. Uh, as we do on the radio, tell people how they can find out more about what you do on a daily basis. Yeah, you can check out the website, davidglenshow.com. That kind of uh, summarizes where I've been and what I'm doing uh, on Twitter, at David Glenshow. And for all the Atlantic Coast Conference stuff, of course, accsports.com. And for the state of North Carolina, and to a degree, even the Carolinas, plural, you can check out The Athletic Carolina. I've been contributing a lot there these last few months, although I don't know how often I'm going to contribute now that the games aren't being played anymore moving forward. Some, but maybe not as much. Got you, Dave. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, man. Take care, Dan. And that was Dave Glenn of all of those places that he just mentioned. Grumpy Old Broadcasters, again, brought to you by Todaro Pizza. They are located in two places here in the upstate of South Carolina, uh, 116 North Markley Street in Greenville and on Sloan Street in downtown Clemson. Todaropizza.com is the website, and uh, even with all the hysteria going on, you can still get your great pizza and uh, other things, calzones, all of that great stuff carry-out version and, and maybe even some delivery to some certain areas. So todaropizza.com for all of the information there. That is going to take care of Episode 3 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. Again, Dan Scott flying solo for the second episode in a row. Next week uh, on Episode 4, we hope to have everybody together, including, as I mentioned earlier, a little surprise, someone who would not fit the stereotypical grumpy old broadcaster profile so just kind of keep that in mind as we move forward again if you'd like to contact us thedanscottshow.com uh, or thedanscottshow at gmail.com is the website address the the email address I'll get it right thedanscottshow at gmail.com and of course everywhere that you get this podcast an Apple, Google, Podbean which is the host you can uh, leave us comments there. We'll address those. Rate it, share it, and subscribe and help us grow this thing. That's episode three in the can. We'll talk to you next week for episode four of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. Until then, I'm Dan Scott saying God bless you. So long, everybody.